been here in a morning service. I'm the youth pastor here at the church. One of the youth pastors, you could say, I guess. Jared and Andrea helped me out a lot with it, too. I don't see them here. But they're awesome. And they, yeah, couldn't do it without them. And I help out a lot with the discipleship program. Every winter we have, sometimes in the summer too, but every winter we have a discipleship program where we'll get maybe a dozen students more this year from all over, all over the states, all over the world. We had two, three people from Chile uh, this past winter. And um, so I help out with that. Penn does most of it, but I show up here and there and uh, just help it run a little bit smoother. And, And so those are kind of my two things or two involvements here with the church. And this past week is the, or was the final week of our discipleship program. So we had a big brunch on the 19th, Friday, and the discipleship program is like officially over. But I've been thinking of like discipleship in my own life. I'm just so blessed to be able to go through it over and over again and go through the program with everybody that's coming through it and take it for granted so many times. But it's just, it's changed me. It's, it speaks to me every time. And we just came off of it. And so that's where my mind is at right, like right now is what does discipleship look like in my own life? Like Jesus, when Jesus, uh, well, he's, he left 2,000 years ago in a sense, but he's still here and he's still discipling us. When he said, go and make disciples, that didn't have an expiration date on it either. That's go and make disciples, make disciples, make disciples, become a disciple. And we can become a disciple now. And that's kind of the whole point of the uh, discipleship program is that you can actually learn how to become a disciple of Jesus right now. It's by faith. He's not right here in front of me, but it's, it's possible. And so many times we go through life and we hit a wall and we don't know what to do. And we forget that you can ask Jesus. He can actually respond and answer your questions. He can explain things to you. He can walk you through through life. And I went I once did a simple study where I went through every spot where the disciples, specifically the disciples, asked Jesus a question. And many times throughout like the ministry of Jesus, he's often mysterious, and he's speaking in parables, and he never explains himself. And so that's often our thought of Jesus. But when you look at the disciples, when the disciples, when the 12 asked Jesus a question, he wasn't mysterious. He answered their questions. He explained things to them. He made sure that they understood. And so that's, I think that's, we can experience the same thing today where he can answer our questions and he can explain things to us and he can walk us through parts of life. And um, so I, well, let me just start here. Ten years ago, actually almost exactly ten years ago, I think it was April 24th, ten years ago, I um, experienced the powerful baptism of the Holy Spirit. It completely changed my life. I had, if there was ever, if you could ever grow up a Christian from, if you could ever be born a Christian, that was me, pretty much. Like, I grew up in a Christian home, a preacher's kid. Um, I kind of remember, like, I, I think I was five, and I remember having a conversation with my mom about asking Jesus into my heart and what that means. And I, I do remember, I understood it, but I was so young. And and I remember, I think it was that night, I asked Jesus into my heart. And that was like, that was like my moment where like, I feel like I began this walk with Christ. But I was five years old. And so started super young. And really didn't, I mean, I, I knew who Jesus was. I, I wanted to follow him. I wanted to please him. I didn't want to go to hell. And that was like most of my uh, life after that into my teen years. 
I was 20 years old, and um, that's when I experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it changed the course of my life. It suddenly made me realize just how real God is here in this earth, and just how he wants to disciple us, he wants to work through us, he wants to heal through us, he wants to speak through us. He is here. He's here right now. And it just kind of brought Jesus from, like, the God in heaven to the God of the here and now in my life. And it started me on this road of discipleship and never really looked back since. It's completely changed. I feel like it changed, like, who I am, my personality in a sense. And I began to realize, like, this is just the beginning. You know, at first it was like, you know, I kind of became a believer because I didn't want to go to hell. And um, I... I since have when I when I experienced the Holy Spirit in that real and powerful way and experienced his love I realized that this is just the beginning like like when I well Steve Backlund says it like this he says I get saved by believing in Jesus but I get free by believing like Jesus and I've just realized that this is just the beginning. Like, I have so much more ahead of me where I want to be like Jesus and be- experience more and more levels of freedom. And it's like proximity. The more you spend time with somebody, the more you become like them. And I think, what's that saying? You are the average of your five closest friends or something like that. And that's, we experience deeper and deeper, more and more levels of freedom by proximity to Jesus. We get saved by believing in Jesus, but we become freer and freer the more we become like him throughout our whole walk in this life. And that happens through discipleship. I Probably when we meet here in prayer, I don't. we've met here in prayer just a little bit this morning. Whenever we do that in Sunday, in the Sunday morning, I feel like probably the, one of the most common requests is I want to draw closer to God. Like I want to be closer in my relationship to God. And so I think there's something in every single one of us where we want to be closer to God. We, we, want to, we want to keep walking this whole life of discipleship and become closer and closer to him. So I found like four keys or four points that Jesus talked about on how to become a disciple. Like he sometimes would say, um, he, was just, he was just real, he was just honest, and he would say, unless you do this, dot, 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 you cannot be my disciple. Or if you want to be my disciple, do this, dot, dot, dot. And it's something deeper than just simply becoming a Christian and believing in him. That's very easy. If you want to, if you, want to uh, you know, the, the road to salvation is simply, sir, what must I do to be saved? Well, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your household will be saved. But then there's, there's, that's the beginning of a life of walking with Jesus and going deeper and deeper in this whole road of discipleship. And Jesus takes us through these points. I wrote down a couple of four, well, it's, maybe it's five, but I kind of boiled it down into four keys or four ways of becoming a disciple of Jesus. So this is like a, I suppose this is a message to Christians. This is a message to people who, if you believe in Jesus, you know who he is, but you want to go deeper. You want to continue down this road of discipleship and look what it, or see what it looks like to become a disciple of Jesus in the here and now. So here we go. Uh, I picked these out of the Gospels. The first one I found was in John 8.31. It says, Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him. So these are Jews who believed in him. We're people who believe in him. If you abide in my word, you will be my disciples indeed. Just that simple and that clear. If you abide in my word. That word, 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 <laughs> word, 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 means logos or logos. It means, it's different than like, there's two, when he says the word, word, it often means two things. It'll mean rhema or logos in the original Greek. 
This one means logos. It means like something that he has spoken before, has spoken many times, more of like a speech or a statement. It's different than just sentences. Like the word rhema, when they use that word, it's like God saying something to you in the here and now, like me having a conversation with somebody. But this is more of like a what God has said, what he will keep saying, what is stamped as like what, in other words, the Bible, in a sense, where what it's just like a speech. And so, in a sense, he says, if you abide in what I've already said, if you know my sayings, if you abide in that, you can become my disciple. And so, to me, that's just simply, if I were to put that in my own words, I would say spend time in this. Spend time in the Word. It really is that simple. And I don't mean to, like, harp on you, like, you got to read your Bible. Like, I heard that my whole life growing up. But at the same time, you got to read your Bible. you got to read your Bible. You can't get around it. It's my center. It's my growth. You have to read your Bible. I, every time I don't read my Bible, I, I, I catch myself because I, I find, you know, usually when I'm, let's say, leading youth group, and I just find that I'm hitting a wall. I can't, I don't know where to go. I'm not sure, you know, I just, it's not, it's not coming together. I can almost always trace it back to I spent a week not reading my Bible. I just just didn't spend time doing it. Anytime there's even something with work where I feel like I'm not hitting a solution, got a problem, there's, there's no answer to it, I can usually trace it back to just simply spending time reading my Bible. It's, it's that simple. I, I remember I did this um, uh, read through the Bible in a year program. Probably most of us have done that, at least if you've grown up in the church. And so I did, did this whole program, and it's actually not that hard. You can do it pretty easily if you follow the program. You don't have to read that much. So I completed it, finished it, and then I'm like, now what? <laughs> you know, I've never done that before. I never went into the depths of Leviticus and places like that. And now I finally did it, checked it off my list, and it's like, okay, so should I start over? Should I do it again? And I felt like God just gave me this simple word. I've shared this before. Uh, in this church, but I felt like he gave me this simple word, and he said, just read, just read. You can figure out the path as you move forward. You can figure out how to read. You can figure out what to read, but just open it up and read and try and make it as much of a daily habit as you can. Don't have to read that much. Uh, just, just read, and that's what I've been trying to do ever since. That was years ago, and that has done so much for me where I feel like sometimes I read, things don't stick, but I just open it up the next morning or whenever I can, and I just read a chapter, and I do it over and over again. You do that enough of times, and eventually you just realize, oh, yeah, I read that. That was back here, and things begin to stick, and God begins to speak to you through that. You see how Jesus lived life. He says, abide in my word. So that's his point number one to becoming a disciple. Don't mean to be legalistic about it, but I do want to encourage you. It's, it's the first thing. You got to figure out what Jesus is, has said before, what He's said over and over again. Spend some time in the Gospels. Spend some, spend some time in His Word. It's the first thing to becoming a disciple of Jesus in the here and now. Uh, the second one is like what Nate was talking about. It's in John thirteen thirty four and thirty five, I think. He says, "A new commandment I give to you." So this is this is a new commandment. This is something that He hasn't given to them before. He says that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. There's a, the word love is a lot of times in those two verses. And it's, again, it's so pure, it's so simple, love one another. And you would think it's, it's like if you're becoming a disciple of Jesus, it's almost like, all right, I'm going to become like Jesus, I'm going to follow him. But it's not just you and Jesus, it's 
it's, if you want to prove that you're a disciple of Jesus, it's actually you and other people. Whenever you start going down that road of like, it's just me and God, you know, just me and God, we're going through this thing together and nobody else, it's kind of a warning light. Like there should be other people in your life that you have an opportunity to love. And not just people that are love you back, but just people that you love because they're people, because they're made in the image of God. And it's so much easier to love when you know you're loved because you're not looking for a response from that person that you are loving. Jesus says in John 15, 9, he says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, abide in my love. So as he's loved by the Father, he's loving you, abide in his love. As we're loved by the Father, we love others. And so it has nothing to do with how they respond. It has nothing to do with what kind of a person they are. We simply love because God is loving us. We're loving them. It's different than trust. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it's love is just simply treating someone as person made in the image of God with respect, with honor, with dignity, and learning how to love every person, no matter what their viewpoint is, no matter who they are, no matter what they look like. It's just simple. It's pure. It's learning how to love because God loved us. Um, I, years ago, I was, yeah, years ago, it feels long now, I was a counselor in, uh, a camp counselor in Canada uh, near Dryden, Ontario, kind of like northwestern Ontario area. And we worked with a lot with the natives that were there. And every week we would have a, a group of kids come through. It started out with like a teen week. And then after that it was a little bit younger. And there were two counselors per cabin. I think we had like eight or ten kids a cabin. And you were with that group. You and your counselor, your co-counselor, were with that group for summer camp for a whole week. You slept with them. You ate with them. You're always with them. And it was extremely hard, especially as like a... 18, 19 year old, like I'm here trying to corral these kids and it's just stretched me, stretched me so much. So you get an hour every day where you get, can get to pull away from your group and let your co-counselor take care of the group. It was like the best hour of the day because you could like, yeah, I mean, I remember just slipping into like, there was like this guy's dorm where you could get away and, um, and just, you know, gorging myself on snacks and, and just vegging out in a sense. The hour went by pretty quick. And I remember one of the hours I was there, and I was fed up with my kids. They were just not very nice kids, it seemed like. And I don't know, maybe I was just at my wit's end. And I came into that hour, it was like halfway through the week. And I was just like, God, I, I, I don't want to go back after this hour and be with these kids. You know, it's not like you send them, well, I guess your parents would know, but you can't send them home at night. <laughs> you're with them during the night. <laughs> so it's like they're, they're, you're always with them. And um, I was just like, I don't want to go back. <laughs> I like my hour. And I, f I felt like I just gave this simple prayer where I was like, God, help me to love. Help me to love. And I don't know how to explain it, but God just kind of came through me in a simple, powerful love that I've never forgotten. I stepped out from that guy's dorm and went over to the group. And they were, I think they were around some campfire or something like that. It was like a lunch, hot dogs and such. And went around that campfire. And I felt the love of God flowing through me into all the kids there. And it was like... It didn't matter who they were. It didn't matter how much trouble they were. I just felt like I had a confidence that I could love them no matter what. Didn't mean that they were necessarily my best friend. It just meant that I, I stood on a different level when I came out of that. I don't, it, was, it was supernatural in a way. It's something that I've had to come back to every, uh, very often. Just say, God, help me to love this person. You love them. Flow through me with your love. And that's really what he's talking about, I think, is just learning how to live from love so that you love others. Um, 
people are important in becoming a disciple of Christ. You can't do it alone. It's Like I said before, it's not just you and God. It's you and God and all the people that you're doing life with. I went on a two-week elk hunt in last September solo. And I had this, you know, it was... I just couldn't wait. It's like something about going solo for, it was 15 days actually, for 15 days out in the mountains of Colorado. I was just really looking forward to it. By halfway through, that's pretty hard to be solo out in the mountains of Colorado. Then by like three quarters of the way through, I'm like getting close, getting close to done. By the time the 15 days came over, came, or came up, I was finished. I wanted to be with people. And I felt like I could do the whole hermit thing pretty well. Like I, I feel like I could survive in the wilderness for a month, but I've never done it that long before. And I went out and I realized I need to be with people. I need to be with people. I think we're, I think we're made like that. We, we, sometimes the whole idea of like striking off into the wilderness alone is a great idea. But once we're a couple weeks in, we realize we were made to be with people. We're made to love people. We're made in his image. God loves people. And there's something he puts inside of us that's the same. So a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this you will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. There's a, there's a day in the life of Jesus that's in the Gospels that I wanted to point out to show like how he loves. He was, he was just on a different level somehow. Um, I bounced around to a couple of the different Gospels to kind of come up with the full story. I think I came up with it, but um, you could start in Matthew 14. I'm just going to say it. But it looks like it happens right about when John the Baptist dies. So John the Baptist dies, and it's a, it's a terrible death. I'm sure it, it seemed like it rocked the disciples because it was like, first of all, he just died. I mean, it, I don't, there's no warning. There's nothing about it. He just dies. And then the way he dies is so humiliating. Like, he cut, cut, gets his head cut off. His head's delivered on a platter. There's, it just makes no sense, no rhyme or reason. And I'm sure it rocked the disciples. They don't know what to do. They, they go and take his body and bury it. And it says, then when they tell Jesus this, he goes away, takes the disciples to a deserted place. John is his cousin, and I'm sure it affects him. I'm sure it affects him to where he, like, he has to get away. He has to get away. And it's right about the same time that the disciples come back from their like little journey that he sends them on, where he sends them out by twos with nothing and they come back and they tell them of all the things that God has done and so it's right in those two things happening together it looks like and so Jesus there's a lot going on his cousin just died in this terrible way the disciples just came back from a, from a, a pretty intense mission trip and so he pulls them away and takes them to this deserted place the people find out the crowd or whoever finds out that he's going to this deserted place and they find him so imagine like you're going to a retreat you just had your cousin die in that way, or you just came off of a really busy time, and you go, you, you step away from your work, which really was like his work in a sense, and your work meets you to where you're going to your retreat. And that's kind of what happened to Jesus. There's people that come and find him, and they, as soon as they find out where he is, they start bringing out the sick, and he heals them. He doesn't push them away, but he just lets God love through him, and he has compassion on them, and he heals them. Then it gets to the point where they're there so long, they don't have any food. And so by then, the disciples are done. They're like, send these people away. They don't have any food. They need to leave. And then Jesus still stays in this, and this is, this is he says, you give them something to eat. <laughs> we give them something to eat. We don't have anything to eat. And that's where he does the whole uh, miracle of feeding the 5,000, and uh, feeds the 5,000, and then finally ends up, after he feeds the 5,000, the people leave, he gets some time, 
and he, he comes off by himself. And then when he goes off by himself, he spends so much time praying, the disciples leave without him. They're out in this, uh, they're out in the lake, and that's when the waves come, and Jesus is there walking. I don't know if he's praying or not, but it says he was going to pass them by, and he's walking, and they think he's a ghost out on the ocean, and he sees them, and he comes in, and that's where he steps into the boat, and the water calms and everything. This all happens, like, it looks like within a couple days, if you trace the gospel. I mean, that's just like, Two, three days in the life of Jesus where it's like, no wonder he slept that one time they were in the boat when they were rocking around. <laughs> I don't know when he slept before. Is he was just so focused, so focused on, on if people came to him, you'd see the verse where he had compassion, he had love, and God would flow through him. And there was times where he'd sneak away, he'd get up in the mountain by himself because he needed that time. But he, like, that's what he says. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love as I have loved you. It's just such a selfless, selfless love. Um, that's point two. Point three for uh, to become a disciple. This is a good one here. So it says in Luke 14. Actually, I'm going to read more than just one verse here because he says, okay, um, Luke 14, let's start in verse 25. He says, now great multitudes went with him. So there's a lot of people following him. And he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. For whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. Likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all, so he's like summarizes it here, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. If I were to summarize that in my own words, I would say becoming a disciple of Jesus has to become the one and only. It has to become your target, your aim, that and nothing else. Becoming a disciple of Jesus, it's just that. Um, he has two more verses at the end that he finishes. And it seems like when you read it, he just kind of starts suddenly talking about salt. It's like, what's this whole thing about salt? He says, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I, someone could probably explain salt better than I could, but the little bit that I could find out, I think what he's talking about is there's different uh, qualities of salt. And I've heard that like the salt from the Dead Sea is not used for salting your food because it has too many other minerals in it. It has too many other things in it that it's not pure enough. And it seems like, from what I could read, the purer the salt, the stronger the salt, the better the salt. There's all kinds of different levels of qualities of salt. And so I think what he's saying here is if, it's, if this is not your focus. If you don't give up everything else, in a sense, and focus on becoming a disciple of me, make that your primary focus, your life becomes too watered down. It becomes too watered down to where it's not effective. There's too many things. It's kind of like a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. And um, so and then he, that's, I think that's what he's saying when he talks about the salt. I was in uh, uh, Florida a couple weeks ago at this farmer's market, and it was like 
I don't. It seemed like an expensive farmers market, but you're only. I mean, when am I in Florida in a farmers market? So I was bought uh, like a ten dollar little jar, tiny jar of some sort of pesto, something that you dip your bread in. Then I bought a $5 cinnamon bun. So I'm on this buying spree, you know. I'm only in Florida once at this farmer's market. Then I find this salt, and it's in this little bag. It's called black garlic sea salt. I mean, the name right there just sold me because I like salt. I I like to experiment with different kinds of salt on my food. I like salty food. And so I found this black garlic sea salt, $10 for a little bag. And I bought it. I talked to the salesman, and he, he completely sold me. He talked about how he had this beautiful cut of tuna, and he salted it with this black garlic sea salt and then put it on the grill or the smoker. I can't remember, and it was the best piece of meat that he's ever had. And so I bought the salt. <laughs> I've been using the salt every day on my eggs, on my meat, and I quickly realized that, like, I don't put as much salt on as I usually do with this black garlic sea salt. It's strong stuff. It's delicious but it's strong, and I've just, I, I don't have to put on as much. I think that's what he's saying there. We're like, we want, our, we want the salt in our lives to be so pure and so, so powerful, so strong, that like when you have too many other things, when it's like Jesus and this and this and this, you just become too watered down, and it's not as effective. If you want to become a disciple of Jesus, 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 he's your focus, he's your priority, he's your goal. There's nothing else. He says it in Luke 9, 622, or 962. He says, but Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So it gives this picture of like, you're going ahead, but you're also looking behind. You're going ahead, you're also looking behind. You're steering all over the place. Got to look ahead. No one having his hand fit to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. It's a criteria for becoming a disciple of Jesus. It's making that your primary focus. That's three. And number four, this is the last one. I saved this one for last because it's kind of like it will happen. If you get one, two, and three right, if you learn how to abide in his word, if you learn how to love people, and if you learn how to make this your primary focus, Point number four just happens, I think so. Uh, John 15, 8 says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Our lives should have fruit. I don't quite know what that fruit looks like, but I, it has to do something with results. It has to do something with like a ripple effect where your life, in a sense, it has a ripple effect. Naturally, you will cause a ripple either negatively or positively. And there's something to it when we get those first three points right and learn how to become a disciple of Jesus, that there is fruit. There is fruit that will be there. There's fruit that remains, and it can create this huge ripple effect. We were talking about it in our last week in discipleship about Penn and Nelson just making small decisions here and there just because they felt God was leading them to do this, to do this, tiny little things, and it's created this huge ripple effect that has brought so many more people into Wellspring that has brought some, some of you into Wellspring just because of simple decisions that created a big ripple effect. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I think it's a natural thing that will happen if we get the first three right and learn how to become a disciple of Jesus. It's, I'm finishing up here. Um, Matthew 7 talks about the wise man and the foolish man. And... He says, it's kind of at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus just gives this powerful sermon, kind of wrecks what people think of how you should live. He talks about like, you know, don't worry. Um, Someone strikes you on the one cheek, let them strike you on the other. Uh, Judge not. And he he gives us all these 
kind of, it breaks your mind uh, sayings that cause people to think. And then at the end, he summarizes it. And he says, Matthew 7, 24, he says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house in the rock. And there's that whole story of where the rains came, the floods came, and the house survived. And then he says, And whoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he'll be like a foolish man. So it actually has very little to do with the hearing. Like all of us can hear in a sense where we know what to do. We, we can hear. We can hear God guiding us. We can hear him through other people. You can, you can hear him. But it's the doing that like puts you on this path for discipleship where he, him that hears it and does it, this is the result. Him, if you hear it and don't do it, here's the result. But both, both the wise man and the foolish man hear. It's not like there's one man that hears and the other man doesn't hear. They both hear. It's just a matter of doing what you've heard. And that's simply put, discipleship is when Jesus gives you something that you hear, actually doing something with it and moving forward. There's, I don't know of a life that's more rewarding than like learning how to become a disciple of Jesus, learning how to let him speak to you, learning how to let him guide you. He's doing it just like he did 2,000 years ago. It's by faith, but he's doing it. And there's something that's just so, so rewarding. When I, when I ask Jesus a question and he answers it somehow, whether it's through somebody else speaking something to me or whether it's just, I mean, any part of my life where he actually answers it and I realize he's real, he's here, he's discipling me, he's teaching me, he's pastoring me. It's this, this whole thing is real. There's nothing more rewarding. And then there's the whole ripple effect where you actually go and you bring other people up in this whole life of discipleship and let them learn what it looks like to have Jesus speak to them and guide them. Can we stand? I wanted to just encourage you that I, we had, I think, 15 to 20 people, it kind of depended on the morning, in our discipleship class this winter. And so that's not a very big part of this group. I know most of you weren't there. But you can still, I think all of us can, can um, learn to become a disciple of Jesus, whether you go to um, our discipleship class or not. It's just being intentional, intentional and letting God, giving him permission to pastor you, giving him permission to lead you and disciple you. That's what I want to see for everyone here, to, go, to, to move past. You know, you becoming saved, meeting Jesus is, is really only the beginning. You've got a whole, there goes my timer. Wow, that was about right on. <laughs> You, where was I? Uh, it's just the beginning. You've got a whole life ahead of you learning what it looks like to become a disciple of Jesus. Can we pray? And then I think we're going to be dismissed. Jesus, thank you for this group. God, I don't know everybody here, but Lord, I can see the hunger. I know that there's people here who, who, want, who want more of you. You provide, you, you give us so much life. You give us so much freedom. And God, I pray that, that we could walk into that, we could step into that deeper and deeper. Lord, let there be a ripple effect off of every person here, that as they learn what it looks like to become a disciple of Jesus, that as they step forward in opening up your word and, and hearing what you have to say, that as they press deeper into this whole thing of learning how to love others no matter what, as they learn how to like make this whole thing of following you their primary focus in life, God, I pray that that there would be fruit that would be coming off of every person here and fruit that remains, fruit that causes a ripple effect that not only changes our town, changes our area, changes our region and goes from all over the world from there, Lord. God, I invite you to speak to, to me. I invite you to pastor me and to show me. Just like David was saying, search my heart. Search my heart. Pull the bad out. 
Stretch me and grow me. Just don't leave me alone. I want you to disciple me. I want you to bring me further and deeper. And I pray the same thing over every person here that's for this service. God, bless them. Bless their Sunday and their week. Amen. Amen.